Okay, you guys ready? Father, I just thank you for the word of God. I thank you that you've given us sound teaching about who you are. And I thank you, God, that as we dive into your word right now, that you are going to plant in us your truth that dismantles lies that have been set up in our mind, that you are going to cause a challenge to come to us where we have not fully understood who you are, but you're also going to give us vision to be able to progress forward into everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk a little bit today. I know I'm supposed to take up the offering, but I think I'm going to take up the offering at the end. Is that all right? Because some of what I'm going to talk to you today has actually got a lot to do with seed, although I'm not talking about seed in a, in a form of giving. Okay, so the title of my message, if you, if you want to, if you want to um, write anything down, is actually called Stay the Course. Stay the Course. And I've heard, has anyone ever heard that, that term bandied around, Stay the Course? You'll see some movie be like, Stay the Course! Some old sailor out in the ocean, Stay the Course! And I'm like, I want to find out actually where that came from. So I actually went and looked that up. And stay the course is a phrase used in the context of war or battle, meaning to pursue a goal regardless of any obstacles or criticism. To pursue a goal regardless of any obstacles or criticism. Okay, so stay the course. Now, everyone, everyone here that's been in church less than, uh, more than two days probably has heard of Jeremiah 29.11. Very, it's, it's like John 3.16, Jeremiah 29.11, right there. Okay? So, you know, it's God speaking to Israel, but we can all take that, and it's really God revealing his heart of generosity and goodness towards his purpose and plan for your life. Now, in the process of, if, if you haven't, let me refresh you, for I know the thoughts I have towards you, uh, declares the Lord, thoughts of good and not evil, to give you a future and a hope, to prosper you and not to harm you. And then he goes on to say, then you will come to me and pray and I'll hear you, right? So all, all of that is really revealing the type of heart that God has towards you and your future. But it also reveals that God is not haphazard like some teaching out there suggests. God is not, he's creative and he wants you to be creative so that you just do whatever you want and he's kind of okay with that. He doesn't sit there and admire some of your stupidity. Hello. Some people teach that he just wants you to make up the figure out whatever it is and God's going to be excited about that. Actually, Jeremiah 29.11 is actually a very telling scripture in God's expectation on how we live our lives. Because what he's actually saying is, I have plans and blueprints for your life. So not only did I know you before you were born and woven together in your mother's womb, but I designed the path of your life. I designed all the surprises, all of the things that were going to happen. I knew the hardships that would come against you, but I also put these people around you to work with you and encourage you. I I understood that I wanted you to be this particular kind of gifting or this particular kind of call or this particular kind of vocation. And so I put these desires and these passions in your heart. That's why some of you have those desires and you don't know why you have them because God's put something there that's actually called design. Okay, God is not accidental, he's not haphazard, he is so on purpose about everything he's done in your life, and it's so exciting. And so it's really important to understand that God actually does have a blueprint. If I could, you guys ever, I mean, pretty much everyone right now uses smartphones, right? If you go anywhere now, oh, let me throw that in my little Maps app, and I, you know, then the lady starts telling me, turn left, or turn right, right? And, you know, in the next 400 miles, if you're doing a cross-country drive, it's like, 
wow, 400 miles, is there a gas, gas station, right? So you have to follow a blueprint, and what happens is, is you see the overall plan, and then you accept it, true? And then it shrinks down to just, you can see the next street in front of you. Do you notice that? God's like that. He gives you a flash vision of like, I've got awesome stuff for you, but then he brings it back into what you can handle today. And it's so easy to forget that God actually has already figured this thing out, and we start trying to reroute it. Okay? Because we think that that street over there looks better because I'm going to be able to get a view of the ocean while I'm driving. But God understands that that road washed out up the road. Do you get what I'm saying? And so it's really important to really acknowledge, if you're truly going to walk with God as a son or daughter of God, to really acknowledge that God has this thing figured out. And he has it figured out better than you could design for yourself. This woman here, I couldn't have chosen a better woman to be my wife. I honestly couldn't. And God gave her to me. He, I'm literally, check this out. I'd just broken off with a girl that was, started off good and it just went upside down. Okay. And we're on the worship team together at our church. And we'd dated like six, seven years before. I hadn't planned on saying this, but I'm going to say it. Okay, we'd, put, we'd dated six, seven years before for a few weeks, and we're like, you know what, this just isn't, this isn't healthy. We were young. Like, she was 18, I was 24, I was a kid. Some of you are like, but that's my age. I'm not trying to insult you. <laughs> Take it easy. Some of you are, like, getting ready to, like, pull something out of your handbag. And, <laughs> and it just didn't work. But six, seven years later, I'd just come out of a bad relationship with someone that I thought I was going to be marrying, marrying in the near, near future, and I'm outside of the, she was uh, worship leading and I, I, we were talking and all of a sudden I felt the presence of God. We were talking and, you know, I was in leadership, she was in leadership and I just felt the presence of God come. We were talking about the team and I felt like God was telling me something about the worship. So I just, uh, the worship team, so I closed my eyes and God began to give me a string of visions and I'm telling her, this is what God's showing me. And all of a sudden God tells me one and all of a sudden I realized this is one you don't tell her because God's telling you something about her for you. I saw this, like, stage. You like this one, eh? Yeah. I saw this stage. And at that point in time, I wasn't even really looking at her. I I was kind of coming out of a bad thing, and I was, like, you know, licking my wounds and, you know, all that stuff. And so there's this stage, and it's like one of those huge operatic stages, like big production stages. And there's the stage, and it's all dark, and I can see all these beauty queens standing in the shadows, and there's one massive spotlight coming down, and guess who's standing right, right in the middle of it? And I'm like, yeah, and God's like showing you that, you know, you're called to go the old paths. And all of a sudden I see this, and I'm like, yeah, I see something else, but I'm going to pray about that for a little bit. <laughs> God gave her to me. I didn't go out of my way to choose her. Sometimes you believe that what you think is actually a good idea is the worst idea you could have possibly imagined. And now, years later, I am so grateful because I couldn't have picked the qualities and the attributes and the character and the integrity and the trust that's in this woman of God to be my wife. Because I trusted that God has a plan, and if I sit with that, it's going to make so much more sense than anything I could try and reason right now. Does this make sense? So God has a plan. I just need, that's, that's my introduction. Okay, because we need to agree on that if we're going to go beyond that. Okay, so we need to stay the course. Right. 
I'm sitting, I'm up in Alaska fishing last week, and I like to sleep. I don't know about you, but like, I'm not one of those people that's like, yeah, I don't need sleep. I need sleep. And I like sleep. Especially in the early hours of the morning. I like sleep. And then God wakes you up at 3.24. Some of you prophetic people are like, there's probably a special meaning there. There wasn't a special meaning for me other than I want to go to sleep, God, and you're waking me up. This is not okay. Some of you have got like those things where it's like, oh, God woke me up. It was amazing. Not me. I'm tired. I've been fishing all day in the river. I'm getting attacked by grizzly bears. Well, not literally, but they're trying to mess with me. There's all kinds of stuff going on. I just want to sleep. And God just starts speaking to me. You know what he starts saying? He says, I'm just going to read this to you as, as part of where we're going. The enemy fights you not because of what you're doing today. See, so many of us believe that the enemy is attacking us because of what we're doing today. I'm doing this, so this was the enemy's response. That's a human level thought. He's fighting your true and full potential and purpose. He's not fighting who you are today. He's fighting the end game of who God designed you to be. And some of us need to remember that. Because what happens is we get bogged down in our thinking of, if I do this, the devil does this, and I lose. Right? You ever had those thoughts, if I just stop doing this, maybe the devil will leave me alone? I'll put my hand up so you don't feel bad about not feeling spiritual. Because I've had those thoughts. Those thoughts are actually the devil trying to speak in my first person. (laughs) And they are the biggest lie you'll ever come across. Because the second you put your armor down, he's going to get you easier. Hello? Because he already knows that you know the truth. He can't ever afford for you to pick up the armor again. So he's going to get you while you're down. Hello? Can I, can I, can I be real today? Yes. Okay. So if you go, go with me to John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus, the Father, Holy Spirit, are bringers of life. They are bringers of destiny. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Jesus said, I have come to give you what? Life and life in abundance or life to its full measure. God is not looking to put heavy burdens on you. It's the devil that does that. So let's look here at John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, verse 10. The thief, who's the thief? It ain't Jesus. Just because he said you couldn't date that person doesn't mean he's a thief. Just because he said you couldn't go do what you wanted to do doesn't mean he's a thief. Just because he said, no, you can't go move over to that country or that city just because that's a popular place to be, that doesn't mean he's a thief. It just means he has a plan. And he's right. Okay? The thief is the devil. Okay? The thief does not come except to steal. What that's really saying is Satan doesn't turn up for any other reason than to steal, to kill and to destroy. So when Satan comes, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What does he come to steal? Your destiny. Why? Because you've got nothing other than what God's given you, contrary to secular teaching. Everything that I have has come from God. The money in my bank account, the people in my life, even my spouse... My health, 
my intelligence, my my energy, everything that I have has come as a gift from God, and I am a steward and a caretaker of that. Does this make sense? So when the devil comes, he's not coming to steal Andrew Billings. He's coming to steal everything God gave me, including eternal life. You see that? Okay. Come on. I, I want to encourage you today, and I want to get you excited, and I want to get you focused in your vision because God has a plan for you. And it's so important that we don't end our lives like the, 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 the servant. Remember the, the, the parable where Jesus talked about the, the wealthy man that went away and he left three servants with three portions of talents. Remember that story? And the one that had the least, who, who in his eyes didn't really have much, he actually buried it and he's like, well, I'm just going to be intimidated because you know, the enemy's full on and my master's really intense and I haven't really got much, so I'm just going to hide what I've got. God's actually coming back to look at what you've done with the destiny he's offered you. Another big myth that I want to destroy right now is that destiny is assured. Destiny is not assured at all. You can see that when God speaks or God speaks through Moses to Joshua, he's like, look, here's the promised land. It has promise attached to land. Okay, So the destiny was there on offer, but... It went on to say, if you do all these things, all these blessings will come on you. The very next chapter, if you do all these things, but if you do all these things, all these curses will start to come in. Okay? So the promise is always conditional based on your obedience to the GPS of the Holy Spirit telling you this is the way, walk in it. Does this make sense? So many people think that because God said it, it's going to happen. Well, it is going to happen if your obedience lines up with the requirements of the promise. Okay? So the thief doesn't come to uh, except to steal, kill, and destroy. Then Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The scripture just quoted. So there's two different poles here happening. The devil wants to destroy you and Jesus wants to get you to the end game. He wants to get you to the destiny. He wants to get you to the promise. He wants to get you to the Jeremiah 29 11, where it's not just, oh, I got to the ministry. It's where, no, I got you that wife you're waiting on. I got you that financial breakthrough you needed. Come on, somebody. I, I, you know that, that area where you've been feeling, yeah, that career? Yeah, here it is. This is why I put those desires in you. And it just started opening up. Now, that doesn't mean that the enemy is not trying to put pressure on you. Now, we know that all things work together for good, right, to those that are called according to his purpose. That's you. Say, that's me. So that when it says all things work together for good, it doesn't mean some things when you can talk about them in church. It means all things. Okay? That means when the enemy comes in to mess with you, all things are going to work together for good. If you don't give up. If you don't give up. Okay, now I want to give you a couple, of, a couple of examples real quick. Do you remember the story of Moses? Remember when Moses was a little baby and he was in, I actually think you talked about it recently. Moses was a little baby and he's born and he's just under two years old. And Pharaoh puts out a hit because there's talk of a deliverer coming from the children of Israel that are currently his slave population. Up to a million people, they think. Sorry, up to three million people. They said, they said that Israel, the children of Israel, the slaves, were somewhere between 600,000 and three million people. 
That's a full-blown workforce in slavery, okay? So there's talk of a deliverer coming. And so what does Pharaoh do? Because we hear that there's a baby being born that's a deliverer. Pharaoh doesn't say, let's wait till the baby grows so we can have a fair fight on the field, does he? He says, get all my soldiers together. We're not going to a neighboring country. We're going out into the slave villages to kill all the babies. Hello? Is someone getting something? Because the devil understands it's easier to kill a seed than to uproot a tree. Get it in its seed form. That's why you need to take care of people, that brand new people getting saved, that coming into church, coming into your home groups, because they're in seed form and the devil's going to throw everything at them to speed wobble them and throw them out of the kingdom. That's why it's our job to protect them. Amen. Okay, someone getting something today. So, so he, comes after, he comes after the babies and luckily Moses' mother was a woman of God and she gets a download divine revelation even though it doesn't say it was a word of knowledge or anything. She just has heavenly wisdom and she does something. Puts her baby in a little reed boat, floats him down the river and then divine providence works out. Okay. Then we see the exact same thing with Herod. Herod is the Arab oversight ruler of the Jews in Jerusalem or in that, in that province anyways and he hears there's a baby being born in Nazareth that's a deliverer king of the Jews what was Herod's title? king and he hears there's another one that's been born who has what? a destiny who has a promise from God who has been prophesied about and what happens? A king who's probably north of 40, 50 years old starts to become threatened by a baby that's days old. Hello. Why would the enemy be so afraid of a baby? Because the baby was given a promise, a plan, a blueprint, not from anyone, from God. And that right there is world-changing news. So much so that an insecure, narcissistic king has to destroy a whole generation of two-year-old babies and below. Kills them with the sword. There was wailing in the streets. I mean, that is, that is the picture of horror. If you want to have a picture of horror, go look at all the mums getting their babies ripped out of their hands. I, I can't even deal with it. And we see a king that is looking to destroy destiny. By taking out the seed. Now I want to fast forward a little bit in time. Remember when Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist? And he comes out and he goes up where? The Holy Spirit leads him where? In the desert to fast and pray for 40 days. Who meets him there? Satan. Let me ask you a question. Was Jesus changing the world in the desert? For 40 days, while Jesus was praying out in the wilderness, interacting with no one, was Jesus changing the world? No. That's a safe answer, by the way. There was not a trick question there. He wasn't. So if that's the case, why did Satan appear to Jesus in the desert and not on the Mount of, of Transfiguration? Why did he not turn up when Jesus was, was preaching the Beatitudes? Why did he not talk, turn up when he was breaking the loaves and fishes? Why? Because he was trying to stop him getting somewhere. 
You have to understand that the pressure that's coming against you at times, maybe right now for somebody, has got a lot more to do with where you're going than where you are today. Come on, somebody. We need to remember this stuff because it's so easy to get lost in the haze of war. The bombardment of all the bombs dropping around you. The, 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 it's like you've heard so many different rounds of bad news. You just, you're numb by the time the next major one comes. That would have caused your life to fall apart a couple of weeks back. Hello? Because the devil understands who you are. He understands the baby. You might feel like a baby at times. You might feel like I'm insignificant in a desert. I'm not messing with no one. But the devil's attacking me like I'm changing the world. Because you are. You're on your way there. You're heading there. Well, yeah, my life got totally messed up. I got beat up. You don't understand the losses that I've dealt with. You don't understand the, the, the tragedies that have happened. Yeah, it's a good sign that something's going down because if you were being left alone, I would say there's probably nothing ahead. Hello? See, people come up. I've had people come up to me like, man, I've got the biggest call. I've met anyone. I've literally had people say this stuff to me. I've got the biggest call from anyone I've ever met. And I looked at them and I'm like, you look like nothing's ever gone wrong in your life. Yeah, I've never had any problems. God's been so good. I'm like, well, either you're lying or get ready. (laughs) For real. Listen, God is omnipresent. That means he can be everywhere all the time at the same time and still be present with one person. Right? The devil's not. The devil can only be in one place at one time. Think on this for a second. If you weren't important, why is he messing with you? Because he has limited resources. God, your father, has unlimited resources. Satan, although he tries to present himself like he's got everything together, has very limited resources. Hello? He just he, He's like the dude that he saves for six months. I mean, this was popular a few years back, but it's kind of blown now, but you're going to get my point in just a second. This is like the dude that saves for six months every dollar he can get, and then he goes and borrows a whole bunch out on his credit card, gets everything in $100 bills, spreads it out on the, on the, on the, on the bed, and takes a photo like he's rolling in money, and then he quickly goes in back and gives it back to everyone he borrowed from just so he can put it on Instagram and look like he's got money. That's the devil. God has unlimited resources and God has unlimited destiny and the devil is just looking to destroy it because you coming into the fullness of your destiny actually looks like his kingdom being dismantled. See, Jesus has, you guys know, right? At the end, you can also see at the end that Jesus got on a cloud and he went back to heaven and he sat back down with the right, at the right hand of the Father. True? So is Jesus walking the earth today? No, that's not another trick question. You are filled with the Spirit of God, the hope of glory. What does that actually mean? That means that God trusts you so much that he says, my son is sitting down while you finish the job. (laughs) Do you get this? Finish the job. And you know why the devil is taking you so seriously? Because you really can. (laughs) you actually can do it. You can do this, but you just have to stop quitting. You have to stop saying, listen, one of the words that gets under my skin that I just can't stand, oh, I just can't. I can't even. Hashtag can't even. And I know that's a joke, 
but I can even. And I can. See, you have to understand that with God, all things are possible. That doesn't mean some things. That doesn't mean, you know, maybe if I get lucky. You know, I've literally, man, if the devil could just leave me alone for a little bit, maybe I could just do something for God. Listen, the fact that the devil's messing with you, I'll use me. The devil has beat the crap out of me at times. Do you see me dead? I'll tell you what you do see. You see me stronger. Because every time he comes in, I realize God's stronger. And what that does is it causes my confidence in God to be established. It causes my confidence in Holy Spirit to be affirmed. It causes my reliance on Jesus to be established, but it also causes my confidence in who he's called me to be, to be consolidated. You have been called to fulfill the dream of God. And when he, when he imagined you, he imagined conquering. He imagined victory. Now at times it feels like the enemy's got you. That's what happened with Jesus. They thought the devil had won. When Judas took the money, the devil thought he'd won. Just fast forward four days and the devil has a pancake face. That's how I imagine the devil now. He got a pancake face. He's not like a rattlesnake. He's like a cobra. It's been flattened. Pop. That's what it says. That's what it says. Right? His heel should bruise your head. And your head shall bruise his heel. Well, Jesus got the good deal. If there's good destiny, Jesus got it. Satan got a facial reconstruction. Okay, that's cosmetic surgery 101. It's in the Bible. Some of you need an excuse. There you go, you got it. Okay. (laughs) Here, let me say this. You remember the parable of the sower? Remember the parable of the sower? The parable of the sower, Jesus is talking about four different types of soil. Okay, one of the, I don't want to get, get into that story because it's a whole other thing in itself. But one of the instances, the seed, which by the way is just as good as the seed as any of the other three pieces of ground, the seed gets thrown into the ground and the birds of the air come and eat the seed before they can take root. Now, what are the birds? Symbolically, the birds are demonic stuff. Demonic, demons, Satan, whatever you want to call it. Darkness. Beelzebub, whatever your Greek translation is, it's that. Okay, what is the seed? It is the word of God, but let let me just take it a step further. What is any seed? Any seed is potential life. Potential destiny. I can hold an apple seed and there's potential for orchards. Not just an apple, for orchards, plural generational orchards with one seed I could populate the world the whole planet with apples so why would the birds come to try and steal the seed because it's not that they're afraid of the seed it's not that they need a little sacrifice it's the fact they're terrified of what that seed can become if somebody believes come on 
I'm trying to explain to you that the enemy does pay attention to you, yes, and there's good reason. He can't stop you, but he can try and get you to doubt. And if he can get you to agree with the doubt, then you might start to concede. Okay. Not seed. That was a terrible pun. And it wasn't on purpose. Concede. What is he talking about? Concede means to yield, okay? Terrible. Okay. Now, let me, let me talk into this, into this lie for a second that if I stop or I ease up. Have you ever heard anyone in church? I had people tell me in church, you need to calm down. You're way too zealous. You're way too excited about God. And I looked at them and said, you're a devil. Well, you've been listening to a devil and you're starting to look like one. You're starting to sound like one. Pancake face. <laughs> Hashtag pancake face. Oh, God, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Someone's going to IHOP after church full of condemnation. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, man, how did I get there? Wow. But, you know, I've had people try and calm me down. And it's not, look, there's all different kinds of flavors in the kingdom. And some people like, you know, real quiet, just mellow teaching. But for me, when the Spirit of God gets hold of me, I can't give you some kind of tame little thing. It's going to come out. Right. <laughs> uh, personally, I think those people need extra credit for staying so calm when they're talking about Jesus. <laughs> I don't know how they do it, personally. Yeah. They, man, they need some special award or something. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I maybe didn't get that, that download. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't part of my destiny. Hey. What? Okay. So the, the lie is that if you, you know, I've had people literally, and I'm, I'm sure every person here, I asked the question before, but people have been under intense attack, and they, they started saying the, these lies started coming out, which, by the way, they didn't think these lies. These were suggestions that they started to think about long enough until it started coming out of their mouth. Maybe I need to back away from serving at church. Maybe I need to be stopping so hardcore and just, you know, trying to find my balance and start hanging out more with my old friends that I used to hang out with because I've just lost myself in the church. Maybe I need to stop being so hardcore and like just praying all the time because I feel like I don't have a life anymore. Well, if you want to keep your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, yes, apparently you're supposed to lose your life. Tick. Okay, right? And, you know, oh, you know, the devil's been attacking me so much, I think it's because I'm part of the evangelism group or the prayer ministry or because I'm just really committed and planted in this church. And you know what? Maybe I need to ease up on that. Let me, let me give you a picture of what happens. People think that they can negotiate a truce with hell and think that hell, the most, the most dishonorable faction in the, in the universe, in the spirit realm, in the natural realm, the most dishonorable faction is going to honor their disempowering of the kingdom of God in their life. No, that thing, as soon as you've turned around, you think you trust the devil because me and the devil just had a little chat and he's good with me? You, you really believe that he's going to be okay with you mellowing out? No, the second you turn your back is when he's sending hell to chase you. And he's going to destroy you. I'm telling you, I've watched so many people. You know, I just need to just ease up on going to church. I feel like I've been going to church every week. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to start chilling, man. I just feel like I've lost myself. Yeah. 
right? That's the point, right? I just need to take back control because I told Jesus that I would deny myself and take up my cross, but I need to hang it back up on the wall and make it an ornament and I need to take back the denial. I mean, I was supposed to have real mellow, one of them real calm messages and it's just not going that way. Stopping or backing away will never ease the enemy's assault. He isn't fighting what you're doing. He's trying to hinder or stop you ever reaching full purpose. He is trying to stop a Moses standing up and saving a generation. Come on, somebody. He's trying to stop Jesus coming into the place where the dead are being raised, the lepers are being cleansed. Come on, somebody. That's what he's trying to stop. He's trying to stop someone walking on water. When everyone else said it was impossible, you just go out and do it. Don't think that you're going to follow the fullness of everything that Jesus has called you to follow and you're going to have a sweet life. I've, had, I've literally, I've, I've watched Christian preachers on TV say, the second they got saved, everything was just awesome. And I looked at them and said, you are a liar. Yeah, I said it. Because that's a lie. In this life, this is what Jesus said, in this life, you will have many troubles. So they've got an opinion, I've got a scripture. I'm going with the scripture. So Mike's, and, and, and Paul even said it, he said, you know, don't think it's strange when various trials and tribulations come to you because they're for the testing of your faith. And then it goes on through to talk about perseverance and the perfection of, of, of patience, of trust, of faith, of all the different things of character that cause you to be immovable. Why does God want you to be immovable? Because he's sick of cowards that won't fulfill and finish the destiny that he wrote over their lives. And he wants someone to say, even if all hell breaks loose, I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to believe God. That's why you can go to Hebrews 11 and it talks about, it's the, whole, it's, the, it's the hall of fame for faith. It talks about all these people that didn't, look, people like, you know, Moses and all those guys were awesome, but I like going over to the section where the people believe God and they didn't even see it in their lifetime. And they died believing. Dang. We are such a conditional group of people that if God doesn't do it for me in the next six months, I'm out. I didn't even do that very well, but you don't get what I'm saying. Listen, what happened to, I need to die to myself so that he lives. John the Baptist said this, John chapter 3, verse 30, I believe. He said, I must decrease, he must increase. Come on. Come on, somebody. So I want to I encourage you. I'm going to pray for some people today. I'm not done quite yet. But I want to encourage you because, yes, the journey can be very discouraging. I get discouraged some days. But you can't rest there. You have to acknowledge, yes, I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yes, it feels like I've been waiting a long time to see what you promised me, but I'm not going to dilute my faith. I'm going to get it more concentrated. Come on. Yeah, that person hasn't come on. That future spouse hasn't arrived yet. Yes, that promise. Yes, you know, all the people that you moved to to California to see get radically impacted by the presence and the, the tangible person of God. They haven't shown up yet, but that doesn't mean anything. Pastor Jeff and I and, and Pastor Bex, we've talked a bunch about this. And, and Pastor Jeff's in business and so am I. That's how we make our living. If you don't know, if you're visiting, that's how we make our living. 
in the, in the secular world, especially in business and, and, and the career workplace, results are really the motivational drive for what we do. But in the kingdom, results actually are not the motivational drive. Obedience is. You've got to get this. Because the world's trained you that if it's not working, change it. But the kingdom says you do not leave your post. You do not change course. You hold the course. And you hold the course until God comes through. Your job is to be obedient. God's job is to deliver. That's it. You don't get to make up and you, oh, I just feel like, when people, when people come up to me from church or from anywhere in church, kingdom Christianity and they start saying, I feel like God's moving me on. I'm like, oh God, which God is moving you? For real. That's for real. Because the second someone says to me, I feel like, what you're saying is your emotions are living on the throne of your life where Jesus used to be. Because here's the thing, if the devil can beat you up enough and he knows that you're negotiable, eventually your spirit will stop talking to him and your emotions will start reasoning with him. Your spirit will stop talking to him because here's the thing, I do talk to the devil. Now, I know that's probably controversial to a couple of you, and that's why I did it. Because <laughs> I'm into shock factor, baby. My conversation with the devil sounds like this. Shut up, devil. Because my Bible says, resist the devil, and he what? No, it says he must flee from you. So when I resist him, I'm instituting a spiritual law that he cannot negotiate with. The only time he's allowed to keep talking is when I say, really? Oh, I do have rights, don't I? And my feelings have been hurt. And I just feel so uncomfortable in this season. It's such a challenge right now. You don't even know what I'm dealing with. I can't even. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. The reason that you see people go round circles where they just keep failing is because they keep giving up on what God has already said as a definite. They just keep negotiating themselves out of situations. Listen, you can start inheriting a whole lot more if you start becoming a whole bunch more steadfast. The devil is terrified of you. Getting grounded, being constant, being anchored, and saying, I am going to be here. See, one of the things I love about Job, you guys know who Job is? When I grew up, it was Job. <laughs> Your boy Job. His friends, like you guys seen that movie Braveheart? I think I talked about Braveheart a couple of weeks ago. It's my Ireland. <laughs> okay, anyways, not that part. At the end... You guys know, those of you that don't know the movie, let me explain it to you. He, re- he led a radical revolution against the oppressing British who were actually just raping and pillaging Scotland. And they actually killed his wife. Uh, and that's what kicked it off. That was the catalyst which caused him to basically build a militia that started taking out the British. But they got him at the end because his friend betrayed him, who should have been sitting in the place. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. 
they actually have him and the executioner has him strung out. It's one of those classic, you know, the whole, the whole um, the, 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 the marketplace has been cleared out and they have a, an execution platform and he's actually strung up there laying on a flat bench and they're starting to cut him open and take out his in, insides, right? And his friends are down, his faithful friends have snuck in and they've disguised. And, they're, and what they're saying is, we'll kill you. The English are saying, we'll kill you and make this easy if you just concede your conviction. Right? And his friends look at the situation because they're watching the person that they love being tortured in hideous, grueling pain. And they start saying, yield. They start whispering to him, just yield, man. Just let this go. Yield. And then what comes out of his mouth is freedom. You guys heard that? Freedom! He just won't. That's his response. That's his response. And, and there, has to come a, there has to come a point where somebody will not bow or concede. No matter, because, getting back to your boy Job, Job has had his whole life torn apart by hell. His, his children were all eating at a, at a dinner party and the house fell in and killed them all. He lost all of his possessions. He becomes basically like a leprous man covered in boils. Right? His friends... His friends at near the end of the story start telling him, hey, dude, just curse God and die. Just let it go. Just let, just let this go. And this is what he says. I love this. And this is what made me think of Braveheart right now. He says, even if God strikes me down, I will still praise him. Let that kind of faith be seated in your life. Because this is the kind of faith that gets God's attention. This is the kind of faith that's inheriting promises. Listen, there is nothing worse than getting to the end of your life and realizing you just conceded a whole bunch of destiny. Don't be that person. Be the person that says, no matter what, I'm going to walk this out no matter what it costs me. Here, look. Stay the course. A phrase used in the context of war or battle, meaning to pursue a goal regardless of obstacles. Let me add this. Cost. Or criticism. The path of salvation looked like naked, beaten, stripped, mocked, walking up a hill to die on a piece of wood. Didn't make any sense, did it? Didn't make one bit of sense. But that's God's wisdom. And sometimes God has, he, he'll tell you this amazing destiny. He'll put something in your heart and it seems so amazing. And you start walking it out. And instead of getting to the palace, you wonder why you're up on top of Calvary. And you start saying, what are you doing, God? And then you start thinking, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, you're not even on a cross and you didn't get beaten, but you've gone through some stuff. And it feels like the dream is gone. But that's just the thing. The way of God takes you in a way where you feel like the whole thing died and went away. And right around the corner is resurrection. <laughs> you've got to get this. Stop negotiating and conceding that the promise is gone, and hold the course. Stay the course. Someone getting something today? I want to encourage you, because you're called to change your environment, your friends, this territory should look like a reflection of your encounter with God. It's not so you can get on Facebook and post your next great revelation from God, or your next healing, or the next thing, that visitation you had. It's so that your life, when people meet you, they start encountering God. Come on. Some of you are called to be figures in society. Some of you are called to have businesses that make millions and millions of dollars. Hey, look, when I was in my 20s, when I was in my 20s, 
24, most of you have heard the story, I had a business partner that ripped me off and I went into debt for three quarters of a million dollars at 24 years old. 24 years old, three quarters, of, I, I don't even know how to process that number. It was terrible. But you know what? God had given me a promise that I was going to be a very, very wealthy man. How do you deal with that when you're driving around in a piece of junk? You guys ever seen that movie, The Mask, Jim Carrey? And he's like, he's going to that thing because he's trying to chase that girl. And he goes to the little the body shop and he's like, bring around the loner. <laughs> and I, I think that was almost about L-O-N-E-R rather than L-O-A-N-E-R. Like, because it was a loser car. And I was driving around a loner, 24 years old. I was doing so well. I had all this money in the bank, and then it all just disappeared. But God had told me that I was going to be a very, very wealthy man. You know what I did? I'm just going to show you something. Because sometimes, you remember in the Psalms, David encouraged himself in the Lord. There's so many times where it says in Psalms, yet David encouraged himself in the Lord, or yet, yet I will encourage myself in the Lord. You notice that? And he started encouraging himself. Sometimes in the midst of your pain, you need to acknowledge what's going on, but not let that become a dictate on your decision making. It's okay to say this has happened, that's happened, but you can't say this is who I am. That has to become illegal in your vocabulary. You have to have some stuff where you remember the promises of God. Remember in in, um, Haggai? It talks about, um, no, it's not Haggai. It might be Habakkuk. I don't know. I'm, I'm all messed up now. I didn't do my research on that scripture, and I should know it, and I do know it, but I'm just blanking out. It talks about um, make the vision plain, write it down on a tablet, and send a runner. Why would you have to write a vision down when you can remember it? It's because your memory's not that good. Because when life starts to happen, it's easy for, to forget what God said because you're so busy remembering what the devil's done. You get what I'm saying? And so sometimes you need to actually have things... Uh, um, in your face that reminds you of where you're going. So you know what I did? Went and bought a t-shirt. See that little gold crown there? Millionaire. Now that might seem superficial and materialistic to you, but I was driving around in a $2,000 piece of junk. Now that's New Zealand $2,000 piece of junk. And I had no money, but I got a t-shirt on. You know why? Because this is who I really am. And I'm not trying to make money a God because it's not. Money is just a tool I use to disempower hell so we can build the kingdom. Please understand my heart and me showing you that T-shirt. But this is a T-shirt I had from like, this is like over a decade old. And I saw it the other day. I'm like, that's right. What? I just need to get a new one now with B on the front. You think I'm joking too? Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be like big deal or nothing, but listen, we've got church buildings to build, we've got orphanages to fund, we've got missionaries. Come on, guys. See, the devil came in to destroy my life. Why would he hit me in my early 20s so hard to tarnish my name and steal so much funds from me and try and slow down my destiny if funds weren't a part of God's plan? See, I've got no problem talking about money. Jesus talked about it in his top three subjects. I've got no problems. We're going to do the offering in a little bit too. Isn't that awesome? This is the part where I get to like rattle the demons that have been messing with you. Come on. And you get to celebrate and worship God while he destroys those things. Because the people that are most upset about talking about money in church are the ones that are oppressed by money. 
Mm-hmm. And I just told you I lost three quarters of a million dollars and God destroyed that debt over my life. Sections of it were cancelled in huge percentage, huge numbers. Six-digit cancellations. And the rest of it I was able to pay off in large portions over time. It took me 10 years to pay it off and refused to go bankrupt. Okay? That's for free. Here you go, mate. It's my little trophy. Her too. <laughs> but that little thing there is something that I purchased, and to other people that knew me and knew my situation, they thought I was an idiot, but I knew that I had a covenant with God. And you've got to remember this, because when the road gets tough, you need to be able to encourage yourself and say, look, I, I know that right now I don't look that great, and I, I feel like I'm a bit of an idiot in front of people, but guess what? God has a plan over me. And I refuse to sit down and have self-pity because of what the devil's done or maybe my stupidity or other people have done. I'm going to believe that God is impossible in his nature. It's impossible for God to lie or mislead me. So if I just believe, I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's what David said. He said, my heart would have failed me if I had not believed. That's why people's heart fails, because they stop believing that God's good. Get this. Understand in this life you will have many troubles and many hardships, many trials, many tribulations, but your destiny is at stake and you have to stay the course. Yeah. Amen. Has someone got something today? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Why don't we stand to our feet? I'm going to pray for some people right now.